0: Blog Talk Radio. All right, welcome back, you health renaissance people. Today we're going to talk about mainly the measles, but we got to look at all the not just the vaccines, but how does your body um, survive on this planet? Well, fifty percent of your DNA is viral. That means that you're designed to live in harmony with the, the our, our planet. Now, you have about two to three pounds of bacteria in your gut. You have uh, multiple different species of viruses, funguses, and bacteria that live on your skin, in your eyes, in everywhere. So we have a harmonious relationship. But there's a thing called uh, germophobia or bacteriophobia or viral mania. Now, these are all different approaches to the same thing. Uh, You're being spread fear and now, is this fear really based in science, or is it meant to sell products? And because you got to figure, a scared, sick population is very easy to control. Uh, well, before we get into measles, and we're going to go over the incidence of measles, how deadly was measles? Now, I know what you're thinking about. Now, you probably saw measles on the Brady Bunch, and it was a comedy, because if you got measles, it was not a big deal. You had red spots, and you got over it quickly. Well, we're going to go over the actual incidence of measles before they had the vaccine, after they had the vaccine, and what the latest research says. But i got to bring up this article I saw today. It was on the Zika virus. Now, the Zika virus, uh, if you have a great memory, this is like a year and a half ago, way back in 2016. And it turns out that when you looked at this, this was a virus that had been um, transmitted by mosquitoes, but it's been known for about 50, 55 years, never caused any birth defects, never caused any harm. And in one area of South America, it was causing microcephaly, supposedly. Now, uh, there were people that uh, pregnant women in Colombia that had evidence of being infected by the Zika virus, and they had no birth defects whatsoever all the birth defects microcephaly and spontaneous abortions occurred in one area and that area also they did some experimental vaccines of the pregnant women and they put an herbicide inside of the drinking water now with the uh, or or uh, insecticide in the drinking water to control uh, mosquitoes However, the drinking water wasn't filtered, so the people got the insecticide drinking it. Now, it says on the um, insecticide that it can cause birth defects. And so we covered all of this in our Zika talk. Uh, But again, when you want to take the blame away from the insecticide and blame an innocuous virus, it doesn't really matter about the facts. Okay, And I, I know it sounds incredible that, that the media could be controlled by just money, but hey, look at our politicians. They're being controlled by money. But that's not, not the issue here. You can get all of that information on the Zika hoax and uh, realize that also caused the government to invest a lot more in pesticides. So profitably, it was really good for the pesticide industry. Not good for the people, but good for the pesticide industry. Well, now, I come around, and any way that you want to get rid of something, particularly if you're a government agency, you throw a bunch of money at it. And this is how they got away with the Ebola, You know, a rare African disease that comes from a weakened immune system. It doesn't mean that Liberia actually solved it without a vaccine, that they use standard practices called isolation, and it's called hygiene. Okay, where they cleaned and fed the people, so it strengthened their immune system. Well, when we look at the Zika virus, they threw money at this as well. And in fact, they invested $100 million, Okay, uh, actually a little bit more than that, in a Zika vi- a vaccine. Now, a vaccine, you're giving a part of the pathogen, and it's supposed to develop an immune system response. So you can develop the antibodies. And now there's two types of immune, immune system responses. You have cellular and humoral. Now uh, the humoral is going to be more of an acute response. However, you need a healthy gut florin in, in order to develop a healthy immune system response. And the vaccines trigger an acute inflammatory response. So in order to make the vaccine effective, you have to add something in there called an adjuvant. And the adjuvant is something to stimulate antibody response or the humoral aspect of this. So you have to get a a toxic substance inside of the vaccine to stimulate an immune system response because you're injecting it in a way that your immune system is not familiar with. And this is why, when you, if you've ever heard of Gulf syndrome or squalene, uh, or if you've ever heard of thomasol or mercury or aluminum or polysorbate 80, these are all vaccine ingredients designed to stimulate your immune system. So they're not, they're not there to do anything other than stimulate the immune system. So when you get these so-called experts that um talk about how it's just an innocuous virus it's a killed part of a of a of a pathogen and it's not going to do anything in the body well that's not actually true cuz you're talking about billions of dollars worth of damage that have been paid out even though they say less than 1% to 10% maximum are the reported injuries. So if all the injuries were reported and all the injuries were um, paid out, instead of 3 to 4 billion payouts, you'd look at 3 to 400 billion uh, in payouts. So we know that there's damaging aspects to it, but let's just look at the Zika virus. Now this is they set up in Brazil because Brazil is where they had the problem uh, with the birth defects. They didn't set the trial up in Colombia where they had the same Zika exposure, except none of the kids there had a problem. So they set it up in the area where they had the pesticide um, problem and they also had the birth defects. Now here's the challenge. The they don't, they don't have the same problem anymore. No one's getting infected with birth defects from the Zika virus. And they got this $100 million vaccine trial ready to go. So what they're going to do, they're going to purposely infect um, uh, people with the Zika virus to test this new vaccine. And you might think that's insane. Uh, well, I mean, you could say that. But I encourage you to to check out sciencemag.org. That's sciencemag.org, and look up um, the title of the article. Is a massive Zika vaccine trial struggles researchers revive plan to intentionally infect humans. Uh, you might think, "Wow, where's the sense in that?" Um, but again, if you got a hundred million dollar vaccine trial. You don't want to let just little things like not having a problem available. You want to create the problem so you can utilize the product. Uh, it, it's it's beyond beyond. Um, I you know I used to say that it's really hard to come up with a term other than common sense because common sense is rare, but this is insane. Okay, so let's look at research data first. Uh, how damaging and dangerous was measles in the first place. Now, this is interesting uh, because we have to look at every therapy as a risk and benefit. Now, what's the risk of measles? What's the benefit, uh, risk of the vaccine? What's the benefit of measles? What's the benefit of the vaccine? That's right, benefit of actually catching a disease. Are there lower incidence rates of certain diseases? Uh, Well, there, there actually are. So now, let's let's look at this. According to the British Medical Journal, and this was published in November 2017, the title of the article is, The Unofficial Vaccine Educators, Are CDC-Funded Nonprofits Sufficiently Independent? And this was an article, um, an editor article, um, printed by Physicians for Informed Consent, and brilliantly well-referenced article. Now, they go into the chance of dying. Okay, and we're looking at uh, measles from 1963 before they invented the vaccine. What was the risk and damage of measles? This is why when we look at the measles Brady Bunch episode, they're laughing, talking, you know, they've got two weeks to be at home sick and there's not going to be an issue. Well, it turns out, that the actual statistics okay before the vaccine measles program was introduced your risk of dying uh was 0.01% or about 1 in every 10,000 people now what's what they go on to state is that 90% of measles cases were benign and therefore they weren't even reported to the CDC so this means that the fatality cases were 10 to, or the 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 fatality rate um, was one-tenth of what was reported. Or if you look at this, the occurrence of measles um, was uh, almost uh, tenfold higher than what was reported. So that means instead of one in 10,000 people dying, it was really more like one in 100,000. But when you look at the actual uh, case studies that they found, they actually found out that it was um, 0.2 per every 100,000 people died. And I encourage you to go to um, this, this article, and I'm pulling it up right now. And it's at, here it is, just pulling it up right now. It's on Physicians for Informed Consent, and they have a brilliant article on, um, on uh, measles vaccine, and it, it is just mind-boggling. Because when we look at what happens when you're vaccinating or what is the actual risks or damages, well, for one, when we look at the difference between measles fatality cases... Without the vaccine, you're looking at less than one per every 100,000. When we look at measles cases of seizures, you're looking at about 3.5 for every 10,000. Now, for every seizure, about 1 in 20,000 cases of measles uh, or the vaccine results in encephalitis. 1 in 80,000 uh, cases result in permanent disability. Uh, and these are all from the um, measles vaccine. Uh, so, when, again, when we look at the actual incidence of subsclerosing panencephalitis, which is, again, a side effect of the vaccines, uh, you're looking at about uh, 22 per million so, there's a lot of different uh, challenges with the vaccine itself. But let's look at, at this. If you get the vaccine, you have a five-fold higher risk of febrile seizures, five-fold higher risk. Uh, in, there's about five, almost 6,000 um, measles uh, vaccine-related seizures per year. And that equates, because a lot of these, there's a five-fold increase uh, in seizures if you've had that. And some of them, a significant portion of febrile seizures, can have a permanent uh, sequelae, where it can actually have permanent damage. In fact, 5% of the seizures can result in epilepsy. So it's not a benign procedure. Now, according to the American Journal of Epidemiology, Uh, Now, get this. This was an article published in 1984. This was two years before the vaccine companies got uh, immunity from persecution or prosecution. See, in this country, America, uh, the vaccines were so dangerous that they passed a law in 1986 to give um, immunity to the vaccine companies for their products so they they wouldn't get sued for damaging the population. Now, this expanded the vaccine um, base because you have a liability-free product. See, before this, they were getting sued, so a lot of the companies were having to pay a huge amount of lawsuits. It's kind of like I just read an article on GlaxoSmithKline paid $3 billion in payouts for drugs that were damaging. Now, any vaccines that are on the schedule that GlaxoSmithKline is producing, they don't have to worry about that because any damage the vaccines do, the government's going to pay for it. But let's look at what this article, before that immunity law was passed, they said about vaccinations. And this was the title of the article, The Future of Measles in a Highly Immunized Population, A Modeling Approach, the American Journal of Epidemiology, 1984. Uh, let me read this. Quote, Little is known about how an intensive measles elimination program changes the overall immune status of the population. A computer model was created to study the effect of measles elimination program in the United States on the number of susceptibles in the population. Now, they go on to state, the pre-vaccine era, approximately 10.6% of the population was susceptible to measles. With the institution of the measles program, the proportion of the susceptibles fell to 3.1% from 1978 through 1981. Now, from 1981, it began to rise approximately one-tenth of 1% per year to where it's going to reach 10.9% by the year 2050. So let, let me read that backwards. Okay, before the vaccine was available about 10.6% of the population got measles. This means they had a weakened immune system, no wild exposure, um, something. Some factor, about 10.6%, got the measles and, and expressed the, it in a disease format where you went through the two weeks of fever, redness, and then you recovered. At least everybody except for the wood. In 100,000 who had an immune-compromised situation or nutrient-compromised situation and died. So the majority of people, and we're talking uh, 999,999 per every 100,000, lived. Now, with the measles program, so you're vaccinating these people, and it doesn't protect everyone. It went from 10.6% to 3.1%. That's it. Now, by vaccinating these people with the measles and the mumps and rubella, we're just looking at the measles portion of it, the risk of disease is rising because it's weakening the immune system. So by 2050, the population will be sicker than if they had never gotten any vaccines. Now, the reason is, and they go through the modeling, uh, the susceptibles at the time, when, it, when the stu- before the vaccine was distributed, they were distributed evenly throughout all age groups. Now, despite the short-term success, and this is what the article goes on to say, long-range projections demonstrate that the proportion of susceptibles uh, in the year 2050 may be greater than the pre-vaccine era. Uh, quote, present vaccine technology and public health policy must be altered to deal with this eventuality. Uh, I know, it's crazy. But now here, here's another article at USA Today. Quote, unlike childhood measles, adult measles is dangerous. 25% of cases require hospitalization. So measles is especially dangerous when contracted by expectant mothers. Now, um, so it's not... um, it's not the simplest thing in the world. When you're looking at uh, t- treating people with a toxic um, product that is designed to stimulate the immune system. So wh- what's, the, what's the end result of doing um, a massive vaccine program knowing that it can weaken the immune system? Well, here... Getting this one right now. I'm pulling up an article, and this is brilliant. So, what is measles? Now, measles typically is a generalized rash between four and ten days. Now, you're contagious for about three to four days before the onset of it. Now, what treatments are available if you don't get the vaccine? Uh, well, you can rest, hydrate, high dose vitamin A. And if you're immune-compromised, you can get immunoglobulins. Now, what are the benefits of getting measles? That's right, the benefits of actually getting measles. Did you know, and these are references that are just brilliant, we're talking, um, here's an article, um, Risk for Hodgkin's Disease and Epstein-Barr Virus Status Prior to Infection out of the British Journal of Cancer. We're looking at another one, again, hot, Epstein-Barr Virus find Hodgkin's Lymphoma, International Journal of Cancer. We're looking at all of these different cancer journals, and what do they find? There's a benefit from actually catching wild measles. Uh, let me read this article, or the quote from it. There are studies that suggest a link between naturally acquired measles infections and a reduced risk of Hodgkin's and non-Hodgkin's lymphomas, as well as a reduced risk of atopic diseases such as uh, hay fever, eczema, asthma. In addition, measles infections are associated with a lower risk of mortality from cardiovascular disease in adulthood. Moreover, infants born to mothers who have had a naturally acquired measles infection are protected from measles via the maternal immunity, longer than infants born to vaccinated mothers. So get that. If you actually catch measles, you are going to develop a protection from Hodgkin's disease, non-Hodgkin's lymphomas, hay fever, eczema, asthma, uh, lower risk of mortality from cardiovascular disease. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, Now, there's also uh, a huge amount of other challenges. And this goes on to congenital anomalies or um, malformations have skyrocketed. Uh, We're talking a number of different damages um, that are showing up uh, if you've received the vaccine. But again, we're living in an era where vaccines are held um, at, uh, say, a, a different standard. Now, we can look at uh, Congress. Uh, they are, here, I'm pulling up another statistic. When we look at now, there's a, a thing called atypical uh, measles. Now, there's a new phenomenon It's only in vaccinated people. Now, they started to find out or find out that this phenomenon occurred in 1965, and they described nine cases of this atypical measles, uh, and they were all children who had received the measles, mumps, and rubella shot. Now, there's continuing measles outbreaks uh, uh, in, in increasing incidence comparable to the pre-vaccine era. And even in 1970, 1971, 1980s, measles outbreaks in fully vaccinated children have continued all over the U.S. and all countries, even with high vaccine rates. And in fact, they say every two to three years that an upsurge of measles, irrespective of vaccine compliance. When we look at the the MM or Mortality and Mortality Report, weekly report, 2012, they say reported a quadrupling increase in incidence of measles since 2011. Outbreaks were blamed on imported measles cases. However, that that really doesn't um, state because when we look at this, um, measles actually has a function in the body. If you get measles, you actually are protected for life, but you also have a benefit for a number of different diseases. Uh, It's a continuing uh, progression of false data. And this is criminally criminally misleading um, data. Uh, If you look at, um, well, let's say that you get, here, I'm looking at this. So right now, uh, let's see what the vaccine schedule is. Now, babies under 18 months old, okay, let's just say you got an 18 month old kid, and this is one of the reasons that kids develop, uh, and this is when they first start getting their measles, mumps, and rubella shot. By the time a child is 18 months old now, in 2018, they've had four doses of hepatitis B vaccine. Now, we know that the hepatitis B vaccine increases liver damage about 297%. We know that these children are not at risk of hepatitis B because this is mainly a disease of sexually active and IV drug users. They get three doses of rotavirus. Now, this is a vaccine to prevent diarrhea, Now, diarrhea is caused from external toxic water, toxic food. And it is true that kids can die of diarrhea, but not from just the virus. It's because of poor hygiene. Now, when they developed the rotavirus, there was a number of deaths from bowel interception. Now, they get four doses. Now, remember, this is all by 18 months old. They'll have four doses of DTAP. That's diphtheria, tetanus, and acellular pertussis. Now, this is one of the vaccines that caused so much damage uh, that they start. They implemented the law in 1986 to absolve the companies of any damage. That's when they had the live pertussis, but or the cellular pertussis. Now they have the acellular pertussis, and it turns out if you get this vaccine, that you are a carrier. You increase. Your risk of spreading uh, pertussis B. Now, four doses of homopulous influenza B, four doses of pneumococcal disease. Now, each one of these doses of the Prevnar, they have thirteen different antigens. Three doses of polio vaccine. Now, polio, you might think of, well, yeah, that's dangerous. Really, well. What happened? Why was polio just around uh, a spike in World War I and a spike after World War II? Was it a virus that had just mutated? Why, when they originally, before I'm talking before a vaccine or before the panic, why was it associated with sugar? Why was it associated with uh, water? And you'll find the reports at the time saying, don't eat sugar and stay away from water. Well, it turns out that they tried a new experimental herbicide on the sugar cane that, it, that had a neurotoxic effect that was causing polio-like symptoms. And why were the first cases of polio around water, particularly Coney Island? Well, Coney Island also had a sugar processing plant. So polio is, is a little different. Plus, 98% of everyone that got polio recovered. And then you have two doses of flu vaccine, one dose of measles, mumps, and rubella. And there's actually a couple of lawsuits against Merck that produces this against the mumps additive in there that they falsified the data. And then the chickenpox vaccine. Now, chickenpox vaccine, we know, elevates uh, rates of shingles, and it was a completely benign disease as well. So that's four doses of hepatitis B, three doses of rotavirus, four doses of DPT, four uh, haemophilus influenza, four pneumococcal, three polio, two flu, one measles, mumps, rubella, and one chickenpox vaccine. All of this in an 18-year-old or 18-month-old child. 18 months, a year and a half, with a completely. Um, immature immune system with a blood-brain barrier that's not fully formed with all of the different adjuvants. And then you get completely insane doctors saying that children can take as much as 10,000 shots in a day. Uh, it's it's mind-blowing. So you got a choice, ignorant or evil, and I'm hoping it's ignorant. Now, we're going to have a discussion tonight. I'm going to have some facts and stats up there. So please, please do the research. Go to websites uh, such as Physicians for Informed Consent. Go there. Look at the data. Um, Get educated on this. Do not just take the status quo and go along with the program. Realize that your body has an intelligence, an innate inborn intelligence, and that you live your life Um, You're designed to live here on the planet. You have an immune system. If you deal effectively with your physical, chemical, and emotional stressors, you're going to be healthy. We're looking at the sickest population the world has ever seen. 54% of our children have a chronic illness or disease. Uh, We have a massive rise in Alzheimer's, cancers, autoimmune diseases. There's a way to take back your health. Take back your health by dealing with the physical, chemical, emotional stress. Your body is designed to thrive on this. Do your research and get your body healthy. You were made in the image and likeness of God. Your body is intelligent. And you were designed to thrive on this planet. Look in that mirror and smile at your reflection. This is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate. And I am your biggest fan. God bless you and i love you with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere